Well, good morning again. Uh, as Pastor Seth was saying in that video, my wife Julie and I, in many ways, had our beginnings here. So we are uh, very excited to get the chance to be back home with our dwelling family. I know we've seen some of you guys uh, before. It's nice to see a lot of new faces. Uh, but we are thrilled to be back here, and I'm thrilled to be bringing God's word to you this morning. Uh, so, while we get into God's Word, I invite you to open up to Matthew chapter 1. That's where we're going to be camping out today. Um, and if you're really familiar with your Bible, you're like, hey, that is the story leading up to Christmas, and we're not even in Thanksgiving yet. You can't talk about Christmas yet. Well, Sunny 99.1 and I disagree with you. So we're going to be talking about Christmas today. So we will be in Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. Uh, you can pull up uh, your Bible on your phone if you have a hard copy. If you don't have a Bible... Go to one of the stations in the back. We would love to give you a free copy of the Bible. We want everyone to have God's Word available to them. Or you can follow along on the screens. The text will be up there as well. So, starting in verse 18, it says this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this day, another chance to gather together, uh, to sit in your presence, and to hear your word proclaimed. I ask that you would open all of our hearts and ears and minds to how your word would speak to us this morning. I ask that you would, um, you would rid me of myself, that the words I would speak would, would not be my words, but, but your words coming through my mouth. Any words that, that aren't from you, Lord, I, I pray that they would fall on deaf ears. So, Father, we love and we trust you. Use this time. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, this time of year is particularly special for me and my wife, Julie. Just making sure you guys are awake. It's, uh, it's particularly special for both of us because around this time of year, five years ago, we had our first date. And about 12 months later to the day, we got engaged. I got to tell you something, our engagement story is pretty special. It's pretty awesome. See, our first date, I had taken her around to look at Christmas lights. We both really like Christmas lights. And a year later, the night I proposed, I wanted to recreate that memory, so I took her back out to look at Christmas lights. But what she didn't know is I had her sisters go to the place where we first met and decorate that place with Christmas lights. And the idea was to go back there and take some pictures, send a, to relatives as gifts. But it was there that I would propose. And I got to tell you guys, they did an amazing job decorating that place. Now, I could stand here this morning and tell you all about how beautiful it was, how bright the lights were, how wonderful the decorations were, how lovely and beautiful Julie was. But my words would only go so far, so I figured instead of just talking to you about it, I would show it to you. 
brought some pictures. Yeah, look at that. Isn't that something, something special? Isn't that awesome? They did a great job. But even with how beautiful that place was, and how beautiful Julie was, that wasn't the only thing that made the night so special. See, when we first started dating, I'd, I'd made her a promise. I told her that, that I wouldn't say the words, I love you, to her until I could prove it with a ring. Now, I should say, if, if you were dating and, and said the words, I love you, if you are dating and say those words, I don't have a problem with that. I just knew for me in previous relationships I had been in, I had said it and didn't really mean it. So I wanted Julie to know that if she ever heard me say those words, she would know that I meant them. That I meant them. Because I wouldn't just stop at telling her I love her. I would be able to show it to her. She would have a physical reminder. She would have a piece of evidence that would suggest that. So that night, as I got down on one knee and pulled the ring out and said the words, I love you to her for the first time, I got to show her that ring, that physical evidence that my desire was for her. That, that I loved her so much, I want to spend the rest of my life with her regardless of whether she did things from time to time that I didn't necessarily love, like squeeze the toothpaste from the middle of the tube. <laughs> and now every year as we celebrate this time of year, we get to celebrate our own love story. We get to celebrate the love that we have shown to each other every year since then. But this kind of thing isn't just special to the two of us. See, we as a culture like this idea. We like the idea of being able to, to show love over just telling it. We like the idea of showing rather than just saying. And I can prove it. I can prove it with three simple words. You ready? Hallmark Christmas movies. <laughs> right? Because all of these movies tell the exact same story over and over and over again. It's the same plot every time. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if next year they release a movie featuring a, a big city business person named Chris. Right? And he has to go to a small town last minute during the holiday season to run a small little shop out of business. Yeah? And what's worse is he has to leave his fiancée Holly back home, and she doesn't want him to go because it's right by the holidays. But she reluctantly lets him go because he assures her he will be back by then. So he goes to this little town, and he meets Mary, the owner of this shop, and they don't get along at all. At first. See, the more they work together, the longer they interact with each other, the more they grow in each other, and something starts to blossom there, and Chris realizes, hey, I feel bad about running her out of business. So I'm going to stall. And he calls work and, and his fiance every now and again to say, hey, this project is taking me a little bit longer than I anticipated. But it's, it's just an excuse to get to spend more time with Mary. And as the movie develops, just when you think that the romance there will blossom, that something's going to happen, what actually happens? Yeah, the fiance Holly shows up and surprises all of us by showing up unannounced in this little town. Why? Because if Chris can't be home for the holidays, she's going to bring Christmas to him. Uh-oh. See, now there's a lot of drama unfolding. See, it doesn't take long before Holly realizes that there may be something going on between Chris and Mary. And Mary didn't even realize that Chris had a fiancé to begin with, so both of them are upset. Meanwhile, Chris is juggling all the relationship drama he's got going there and the mounting pressure from back home, his boss calling him to say, hey, you better hurry up and finish this job or else. But all of this drama, all of this tension, forces Chris to realize what's most important in life, what the true meaning of Christmas is, love, true love. So what does Chris do? He officially ends things with Holly, who's oddly cool and understanding about this, because who is she to stay in the way of true love? 
And then he quits his job back home to save the small shop that he was supposed to run out of business. And then he tries to show his love to Mary by confessing it to her. And the movie ends with them at their wedding day with Mary and Chris getting married on December 25th. So coming to you December 2022, a very Merry Christmas featuring Candace Cameron Burr, Andrew Walker, and Lacey Chabert. Right? It's the same old song and dance every single year. But does that stop us from wanting to watch these movies? No. We still look forward to seeing the new slate year after year. We watch the old ones over and over and over again. Why? They feel good. We like to see that story. Anyone could tell us the plot. It's the same one over and over again. But there's something so alluring, so enchanting, so special about seeing that love story play out about watching it with your own eyes, especially around the Christmas time, because there's something so inherently romantic about Christmas, isn't it? But we don't need Christmas movies to tell us that. See, Hallmark Christmas movies aren't the hallmark of Christmas love stories, are they? No, the Bible is. And we saw in this text this morning, in Matthew chapter 1, the Bible tells us of a love story within the very first Christmas a love story of showing over telling. Because Joseph and Mary's love story is a great example of showing love over telling about love. If you notice, there isn't a lot of conversation going on in that text. In fact, the only speaking part belongs to the angel. So I like to think, you know, when I think about the story playing out, I like to think of it maybe as, um, as a silent conversation going on between Mary and Joseph the whole time. You know when you've been with someone for, for so long, you can have a full-length conversation without speaking a word? I like to think that's what's going on here. I like to think that maybe Joseph is, is coming home after a long day of work, and he just he wants to kick his feet up. But Mary's there waiting at the door, and she's got some news to tell him, that she's pregnant. But she doesn't speak a word. Why? Because she's showing. That's what happens when you're pregnant. You're showing that you are with child. She didn't even say anything. Joseph could see it. And his expression says it all. Because both of them know with 100% certainty that Joseph isn't the father. And so Joseph can logically assume that means only one thing. But how does he respond? Does he respond by shouting at her, how could you do this to me? Does he respond by demanding an explanation? Or dragging her out into the town square? Or or jumping on the Twitter sphere? to To save his own reputation? Say, no, this was her. This was her transgression. Does he do any of that? No. Now, how does he respond? It says that he resolved to divorce her quietly, without publicizing anything, without saying anything harsh to Mary, saying anything negative about her. And in doing this, in saving her reputation here, he is showing how much he cares about her, how much he loves her. And as he's sleeping one night, an angel comes to him. And with the only dialogue we get in this text, we see that the angel is is telling Joseph of Mary's faithfulness. Not just to him, but to God. See, and he's informed about who this child actually is and what this child is going to do. And Joseph, without arguing at all, without putting up any kind of a fight, does what God commands. And he stays with Mary. And in doing so, he's showing just how much he loves his wife and God. Because back then, it was required by law to divorce your wife if she had committed adultery. 
In fact, if you didn't divorce her, if you stayed with her, if you let your love for her outweigh your honor among society, you were seen as a weak man. But Joseph shows us something about true love here. He shows us something. He shows that love goes further. It goes further than just saying words. True love leads to action. There's an action associated with it. And we can see that play around all around us. You know, true, my true love for Julie led to me going out, buying a ring, organizing something, and using whatever little creative juices I had. I can see her true love, our true love as parents, when our baby spits up on us and pees on us and does all the other things, waking us up 18 times a night. What do we do? We continue to love him. We clean him up. We change his diaper. We give him cuddles. It's what, it's what drives friends to drive hundreds of miles to support each other at funerals. True love leads to action. And Joseph's love goes further by trusting in God over human logic and by sacrificing his own social standing to stay with his wife and obey his God. Now, who wouldn't want a love story like that? A love story marked by tremendous faithfulness, by genuine care. Who wouldn't want that? That's something we all desire. That's something we all really, really want to possess. We long for relationships like that. We wouldn't turn that down. But if all of us are striving for a relationship like that, for a love story like Mary and Joseph's, marked by the same things, if, if that's what all of us are really after, why is it that we keep hearing about so many failed relationships and seeing headlines in the news about, about failed relationships in Hollywood? Why is it that we continue to see the divorce rate climb as a culture, as a nation? Well, the simple answer is this. We, we love love. Right? No one's arguing with that. We all love to feel loved. We all want to be loved, to experience it, to have that same love that Joseph and Mary had. We all love love. But we don't always love to love. And I'm not necessarily saying in here too, by the way, this is a quick aside, that if you're divorced in here, it's because you didn't love. But it's evidence that maybe the person you were with didn't love to love. See, all of us at one point are guilty of this. We don't always love to love. Because love is hard. It's messy. Right? It requires something of us. Love requires us to, to show love even when we really don't want to, when we'd rather not. We want to just do our own thing. It requires us to give something of ourselves even when we don't think the recipient is necessarily deserving of it. And none of us feel that more than we do during the holiday season, right? We're forced to house our spouse's third cousin and her screaming children who came in town for Thanksgiving and aren't leaving until after New Year's, and all they do is lead to your Wi-Fi data, eat all of your food. Or how about when we know we have to try on that Christmas sweater that our great aunt knit us, and we've never met her, but we still have to take a picture and show it to her? You know the sort I'm talking about, the really itchy, ugly one that smells like mothballs? You'll probably see it on the 12th show up. Or what about when we're the only one at our office that doesn't want a secret Santa party, but we're still forced to buy a present for a coworker that we really have nothing in common with, and we just rather see them on work hours, and that's it. Or how about when our children come home from college, and the only thing we feel like we can talk about is the weather, because anything more substantial just leads to a fight. That's not fun, is it? It's not easy. 
Yeah, I can list thousands and thousands of more examples, and I, I'm sure you can, you can think of some right now, but, but regardless, it's so much easier to receive love than it is to give it. It's so much easier just to tell someone you love them than it is to show it to them. And that's what makes Joseph and Mary's love story stand out all the more here. But even with as remarkable as their love story is, that's, that's not the main love story going on here. Right? Their love story is placed right in the middle of an even bigger, grander love story. Right? They're, they're not the main characters at all. I don't know if you caught it, but at the beginning of verse 18, what does it say? It says that this love story is about Jesus. This is his story. Right? And with Jesus' story, we unpack God's love story with us, his people. See, the whole Bible, all of it, is just one long love story between God and his people. It starts by telling us that God created people. He created us, not out of necessity, not out of boredom or some petty need to be worshipped and praised and served. No, he created us out of his great love for us. He created us in his image so we could bear his image to others. But how did we respond to his love? We read pretty much from Genesis 3 on. So that's about from here all the way here. We read over and over and over again about how God's people respond to his love by rejecting him, by being unfaithful to him, by seeking love apart from him. And over and over again, we see that God sends the Old Testament people, prophets and judges, to remind them of his love, to warn them and say, if you keep going down this road, it's not going to go well for you. It's going to lead to death and disaster. So he's calling them back to himself. And over and over and over again, these people reject him. And they choose to seek their own desires, their own will, than God's. And we're not so different from them. Right? It may look a little bit different, but it still plays out over and over again. See, every Sunday we hear about God's love for us. And every Sunday we forget that message by the time we finish lunch at Gringo's. We don't always love to love. But God's love never stops. God never stops through it all loving his people. He never stops caring about us. He doesn't stop at telling us he loves us either. He goes further. He shows his love to us, right? How does he do that? By sending his own son to these people, to us. Not to destroy them or to divorce himself from them and wipe them off the face of the earth. No, he sent them his son, meek and mild as a baby, to be gentle with them, to teach them and dwell among them, to give his life one day and take it up again, not just for them, but for the whole world, for all of us. Now, why would God do that? Why would he do that? Because God's love goes further than ours ever could. No matter how many times we've been unfaithful to him, God loves to love us. Regardless of how many times we've rejected him, we've sought love elsewhere. God's love never fails. God loves to love us through it all. And he shows his love to us in the person and work of his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus shows us firsthand what God's love is and what God's love does. He shows us that God's love is patient, it's kind, 
it stays. God's love heals and it restores and it rescues by sacrificing everything to come get you even when you were unfaithful, even when you did nothing to deserve it. And there is nowhere we can go where we're outside of God's love. And there's nothing too broken in us that God's love can't fix. And because of the love that Jesus showed us by dying on the cross, God continues to show his love for us by forgiving our sins over and over and over again. And no one can question the love of a God who gave up everything, even when we deserved nothing. And that truly is the reason for the season. That's what we should be celebrating every year. The arrival of God's Son to show God's love to us, to be God's love to us. And that is better than any Christmas love story we see on our screens. Because this one's real. And because of the love God has for us, this is our story too. Not because of anything we did, but because of his great love for us. So what I want you to do for a minute is, is imagine what it would look like to celebrate the holidays this year a little bit differently than you normally do. Maybe it looks the same on the outside, but, but maybe, maybe your thoughts and your hearts and your actions play out a little bit different. What would it look like if this year we celebrated by telling others about this love story? Or, or better yet, what would it look like to show them this love, to show this story to them? So maybe instead of being resentful towards your distant relatives and their screaming kids, you try to see them as people who God loves. And you open up your house to them to show them God's warmth, his kindness, his patience. Maybe instead of dreading that sweater from your great aunt, maybe you take the time to thank her for the thought that she put into it and the hard work that she put through in making it for you. And maybe instead of begrudgingly buying a present for an acquaintance at your workplace, maybe see it as an opportunity to get to know someone better. Maybe build a relationship and make a friend. Lead them to the love of Jesus. Or maybe instead of engaging in small talk for a month and a half, maybe you work toward having a deeper, more meaningful conversation about all the times God has shown you love this year and shown love to your family. I think when we do that, I think we'll do that, we'll, we'll see how much further this love can go. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the holidays that are coming up, chances to get together with family and friends and eat good food, make some memories. Thank you for the love that we will no doubt feel in those seasons, but we pray for hearts that would be changed by your love, to love others around us in more difficult times. Show them the same kind of love that you showed us. So, Father, be near to us this season. Keep us safe. Give us eyes that, that are open to, to see, see these people as you would see them, to see opportunities to love people, and show them your grace, your kindness, and your love. All these things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.